This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. Hey movie addicts, welcome to Cinema Fix, your stop for the purest, highest quality movie reviews on the block. I'm Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined today by my fellow dealer, Monica Castillo. Hello, Andrew. Hi, Monica. It's a few days after 4.20, so hopefully people, you know, were, were had some fun on 4.20, and now they're, they're getting their fix through us. I was going to recommend the movie that uh, we're talking about today for people who are a little high in the sky and uh, <laughs> just trip out on the awesome visuals. Yes, there are some pretty interesting visuals in Oblivion, which we're going to be talking about. If you're new to Cinema Fix, you should know that basically this is the show on Film Geek Radio devoted to in-depth discussion of mainstream blockbuster films. Each week we release an episode in two parts. The first part is a general spoiler-free discussion of whatever film we're discussing that week. And the second part, which you're listening to right now, is the more in-depth analysis of the film complete with spoilers. And it's designed to be listened to after you've heard part one, or at least after you've seen the film. Again, this is part two, so if you don't want to be spoiled, stop listening now and go check out part one of our episode on Oblivion. And don't forget, if you enjoyed yourself on 420, to subscribe to Cinema Fix so you can get your fix every single week. It'll, it'll be like 420 all the time. It'll be great. Oh, don't promise him that. <laughs> <laughs> That's just false advertising. All right. We're talking about Oblivion this week. Uh, this is the new sci-fi film starring Tom Cruise, directed by Joseph Kaczynski. Uh, I'm just going to assume, if you're listening to this, that you've seen the movie, so I'm not going to really talk about the plot just yet. We'll, we'll get into it some in our discussion. Uh, but first, here's a clip. I've been watching you, Jack. You're curious. What are you looking for in those books? Do they bring back old memories? You won't get anything from me. My memory's been wiped to protect the security of the mission. Yes. You can't have your precious memory falling into the wrong hands now, can you? You just repair drones. Don't go into the radiation zone. Don't ask too many questions. Not part of the job description. This is part two of our episode on Oblivion, so let's just dive right into it. Monica, you did not really like this film. Nope. Why not? What's wrong with it? Do you not like Tom Cruise? I have a love-hate relationship with Tom Cruise. Sometimes I'm Team Cruise, and sometimes I'm like, you know what? Back down a bit. I, I have to say, I like Tom Cruise. I think he's still got it. I think he's a very talented actor, and I think as a leading man, he has he still has a ton of screen presence. And I, I, I really liked his performance here in Oblivion. Um, he actually made me forget at times that I was watching Tom Cruise, which for Tom Cruise is pretty difficult really? to do. Yeah, I was I was pretty sure I was watching Tom Cruise throughout. So okay, maybe this that was just for you. So you weren't impressed by his performance at all. I was. I mean, it's it's a regular Tom Cruise performance. What does that even mean? 
a regular Tom Cruise performance. There's sometimes intense screaming. Sometimes it's it's very focused, very focused eyes. He'll flash his boyish grin. He'll flash the boy the boyish grin. Not so much in the in Oblivion though. Kept it pretty serious. Yeah. But it's like it's it's I don't know. It's Tom Cruise. <laughs> I, I liked him. And we okay. can just go ahead and get into spoilers. There's two Tom Cruises in this movie. Because one wasn't enough. No. And I gotta say, I was a little bit disappointed. I was kind of hoping that... You would run into more? Yes, I, I was sort of hoping that the movie would end with him like getting this army of Tom Cruises <laughs> to go take on the alien threat. <laughs> 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 that would have been amazing. Yes, assemble all the Tom Cruises. <laughs> I was just gonna say, you know, I'm, I, the love hate relationship with Tom Cruise extends as far as like I like Legend. So okay, yeah, okay. but I don't know. I didn't like hate his performance. It was just I expected it. I expected it. You know, it didn't really surprise me. It didn't do anything new with it. Not that Morgan Freeman came out and, you know, did a song and dance number that really impressed me or anything like that. He pretty much played Morgan Freeman in glasses. I was way more impressed by Tom Cruise in this film than Morgan Freeman, who really doesn't do much. He's literally just here for a paycheck. Bye. Thanks. He's playing the Tommy Lee Jones of (laughs) this movie. Yeah. I, I mean, Tom Cruise, the guy's 50 years old. Yeah. Well, he was just hanging out at MI4, right? He was hanging off the side yeah. of the building. He's doing Mission Impossible 4. I think he's already signed off for Mission Impossible 5. And I, <laughs> the guy's got it. The guy's still in great shape. He's He still looks like he could be in his 30s most of the time. He looks incredible. He's got the physical presence. So in terms of like leading man action heroes, I'm totally on board with Tom Cruise. I have not gotten tired yet of watching him run around and shoot guns and blow things up. Yeah. See, and I loved uh, MI4. I loved Ghost Protocol. So Mm -hmm. it's not that I'm tired of Cruise yet. I just, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was more of the script and his character that I just, I didn't buy. A lot of my issue with this movie is that I didn't give a flying F-bomb about anybody in this Mm -hmm. movie. (laughs) They just, there's nothing that convinced me here. To make me feel bad for them, to make me want them to have a happy ending. I was just like, I felt the backstory was pretty shallow, and I don't know. It just, it didn't hit the right heart chords for me. I like, overall, the the story of this film, even though there are some plot holes. It just doesn't do a great job of revealing information at times. I mean, the movie starts out... We're telling a story. You know something else is going on because immediately it's revealed, oh, he's having dreams or that feel like memories of this strange woman that he's never met. Can't remember anything, you know, earlier than five years ago. So automatically, you know, there's something weird about that. Memory wipe, yeah. Convenient. I liked the relationship between him and Victoria because you can tell... They work well together, as she keeps telling Sally, Mm -hmm. uh, Melissa Leo's character, you know, we're still an effective team, but they also are lovers, and they had good chemistry, and just, I I don't know, like, the first 45 minutes or so where it's just the two of them, I really enjoyed that dynamic. I enjoyed that more. 
than what happens later. And then actually it was a bit of a kick when, you know, she gets destroyed by the little android guys. And like a few moments afterwards, Tom Cruise discovers another Victoria, essentially. Right. Uh, in a different section. It's, yeah. It's revealed they've been that they're cloned. cloned. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I really like that scene where he encounters the other Victoria. Yeah. And, and has to decide yeah. to leave her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, it's, it's not this really big dramatic scene where Tom Cruise is like, you have to come with me. Uh, there's something I want to show you. Yep. And there was a part of me that wanted that. And that was kind of like, well, hey. Well, he did say like, let's go. Let's you and me right. go. And she's like, you know, we can't do that. Right. There was a part of me that sort of wanted him to just like force her along to be like look this is i I care about you and and there's this grander truth out there that you have to know but Mm -hmm. at the same time i kind of liked how he just sort of kept it quiet and just left and 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 you and tom cruise again the guy's a talented actor you could just sort of see in his eyes that it really did hurt him to do that yeah and then after that was the last reveal or like plot twist that I really enjoyed because then afterwards I was I didn't really buy so much the next relationship and the fact that he walked away from who, someone who was essentially like his wife or so so quickly. Well, I mean, okay, so he's been with Victoria for five years and then he finds he's out actually that- a secret Mormon now. <laughs> That's another plot twist, and uh, he has to go missionary. So he's he's been with Victoria for. Five years, and then he discovers that no, he was married to yeah, Olga Korolenko's character mm-hmm. for a long time. Potentially, we yeah. don't really know how long, but he was in love with her. And the, the the main thing that doesn't make sense about this plot is how she enters the story. That is very <laughs> clunky. Yeah. Let me make sure I understood this correctly. The Scavs, a.k.a. the Remnants of Humanity, the Resistance, they realized that this version of Jack, Mm -hmm. you know, had a conscience or was different from the rest. So they sort of were doing different things to get his attention. And then they set up a homing beacon to bring down his wife and the other crew members that had been floating in orbit around Earth for 60 years? Quick pause. You said the scavs were the humans, right? In the intro, yes. you had written that the scavs were aliens. Well that's, well, that's what we're supposed to believe at the beginning of the film, is that they're aliens. Aliens. Ah, I see. Okay. Oh, I always, I always thought they were just, like, Rebel Alliance. <laughs> We're supposed to believe that there was this big fight with some aliens, Earth was destroyed, but humanity mm. won, but then these The these fact that we have were... to walk through the plot a second time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but then, but see, as they, I'm pretty sure he says, you know, in the opening voiceover or whatever, mm-hmm. he's got two weeks left on the job, and he's just like this drone repair guy, and the yeah. scavs are scavengers. They're like these they're the yeah. aliens that were left over that they didn't quite kill yet. Mm-hmm. But then it turns out that the scavs are actually humans, which I think everyone was pretty much expecting. <laughs> <laughs> but the one thing that wasn't clear is how was his wife orbiting Earth for 60 years and then and the tech did not notice. 
Yeah. Well, well, she was in, like, cryosleep or whatever. Yeah. But the actual aliens, the the mechanical aliens and the Tet, did not notice that this (laughs) thing was orbiting around the Earth for 60 years. That, I was just like, come on, you gotta be kidding me. And now the the scavs are gonna put up the homing beacon at just the right time for her to come down and and him to save her. Like, it's really, really convenient. (laughs) And and doesn't make a lot of sense. And funny enough, my friend texted me the next day after we saw the screening and asked me, at what point did they have time to make a baby? Okay, okay. Or was she just dating for 60 Years. Here's the interesting thing about that. I because okay, you're right. At the end of the film, it's revealed that she's she was pregnant. I thought that because he takes her to his little oasis or whatever, yeah, for a short time. I just assumed that they got, got it on during right. that one night or something, and then she was pregnant. But if you go to the Wikipedia page and look at the plot <laughs> for this film, it says that she was actually pregnant. Before she went into cryosleep. Yes, because nothing beats a 60-year gestation period. Yes. That is the stuff of man. That is actually a man wrote this. (laughs) (laughs) She and the baby were just in hibernation (laughs) together. Oh, my God. Begs the question, I guess you can get pregnant in space. So the, 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 the whole thing about how they bring her into the picture and reveal that she's his wife is really clunky. Like... Tom Cruise and she are both, they, they, they're both captured by the scavs mm-hmm. who turn out to be humans and Morgan Freeman is there. And then he's basically just like, if you want answers, you need to go to section 17 or whatever. Yeah. And find it there. And I was like, why don't you just tell him? No, he has to see it for himself. Do you not have video of all the other Tom Cruises around? Do you? Yeah, I mean, doctored. And, and it's and it's clear that she she knew that he was her husband. Yeah. So wh- I didn't understand why she wasn't just like, oh, by the way, I'm your wife. What's going on? I've been in cryo sleep. Last time I checked. Now you're shagging up with some other. Right, like. She wakes up and it and doesn't appear confused at all, really, about what's happening. She's she stays quiet. At no point is she like, "I was on to Titan and you're my husband." You know what's happening? Yeah, it's just very, very strange. Also, so I assume they just didn't make it to Titan. Yeah, and Earth is down to like this small like matrix. Well, their ship was, was like the first ship to Titan. They were like on a research mission to Titan yeah. when they encountered the Tet. Gotcha. I was wondering if it was on the way to or on the way coming back. No, it was on the way to. Gotcha. And then somehow they were like getting sucked into the Tet, but then he can eject everybody else and they yeah. don't get sucked into the tent. Like, yeah, the the, it, the details don't make a lot of sense. Yeah. I was still enjoying myself as I watched it, but then afterwards I was like, oh, that, uh, yeah, it doesn't add up. The same thing as Prometheus. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. Oh, no, Prometheus is way worse. Yes, it is way worse. That's what I said in the first part, but, like, it was the same sort of thing. Don't think about it too much because you'll hurt yourself. Prometheus made me angry as I was watching it, gotcha. whereas Oblivion only slightly annoyed me as I was watching it. Okay, I was more on the, this is this is dumb. 
Prometheus needed like 20 more drafts written of the script. Oblivion mm-hmm. needed maybe one or two. Okay. Just to iron out. So we out just need better details. writers in sci-fi or better editors. Right. No men, not yes men. But I mean, it's it's trying to handle a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you've got the relationship with him in Victoria. You've got the Ted and what it really is. You've got the Scaz. You've got his memories and who this strange new woman is. It, it's trying to juggle a lot of different things. And overall, I think it did it fairly well. Not perfectly, but but you know, it it only dropped the ball a couple times with some of the details, in my opinion. Okay. The second half, it's it's just really awkwardly structured. Like we said, how Morgan Freeman sends him off into the desert for some reason, and then later on, it was just not clear to what extent the Tet and and quote-unquote Sally, played by Melissa Leo, was aware of what was going on. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, at first, it's like he's fooled her, and she has no clue what's going on, and then suddenly, she, like, notices the blood trail or mm-hmm. something, and uses that to find the resistance base, and then sends all these drones out there. So there's this big action scene at the base involving these three drones that attack, and yeah. I was just like, what is happening? How how much does the Tet know? What is going on here? They're really bad computers. <laughs> Better robots than they are computers. Like, honestly, that whole action scene could have been cut, and it would not have mattered. Except now it means that the stakes are raised. <gasps> it, it just felt like the writers were like, uh, we need another action scene. Quick, let's just have some drones attack for no reason. Yeah. It was just, oh man, really, really strange. Like I said, <laughs> plot not the strongest. I, 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 again, I thought there were some really interesting ideas going on here. Um, All right. It, 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 it's, it borrows a lot from Moon, mm-hmm. where it turns out our main character is a clone, and he's basically just there to work and get all the, 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 the resources off the planet. What was interesting to me is that I thought there was this political theme going on where, I mean, okay, obviously they don't call these robots robots. They call them drones. Yeah. And the the environment that they're in is this desert wasteland. <laughs> and the whole thing just gave me this very strange, you know, Middle Eastern invasion drone attack type a vibe in a weird way. Yes, because they were pretty heartless drones, as we see. They um, even <laughs> supposedly kill uh, people on their side. Yes. So, th- I mean, the the whole movie is basically about this guy realizing that he thought he was on the good side, but no, actually, I'm working for the invaders. These drones are killing innocent humans. Mm-hmm. There, there's, there was just this very interesting political thing going on, and, and especially because the bad guys in this movie, they're not aliens; they're yeah. entirely machines. Like mm-hmm. the Tet itself, just seems to be a giant machine of some sort. Yeah, it's not organic; it's just this giant piece of technology. Yeah, it's like a big what upside down triangle or something, right? Right. So that was just really interesting to me. Just this idea that it reminded me of just 
the military industrial complex, the idea that there's just this system of military weaponry and technology in place that just will go out and do its thing and people as individuals really don't matter. We're all just sort of slaves to this big military industrial entity. So yeah, there there were some really intriguing themes going on in this movie that I thought distinguished it from some of the sci-fi films it was stealing from or borrowing yeah, from. Yeah, but then we'd be clones of Tom Cruise, so not everything is horrible. You got cl- clones of Tom Cruise because, again, in this system, mm-hmm. there are no individuals. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's just human beings just become indistinguishable from each other. Yeah. So I, I, I thought that was an interesting idea. It wasn't just, oh, look, clones. It was, yeah. this serves a purpose. Bigger purpose. Like the whole movie is just about how technology is gradually replacing individuals. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I, th- I thought there were some interesting ideas going on. And I got to say, the, the, the ending worked for me, too, for the most part. I did not expect it when he sent... Olga Kurilenko's character back to his little oasis. Yeah. That was a nice surprise that I was like, oh, what? He's actually going to sacrifice himself for her? That's actually nice. I don't know, man, because I kind of knew, oh, he's not going to throw her to the volcano like that. Well, I kind of thought that that they were both going to go up there. And die. I was thinking, okay, they're going to have some nice little romantic moments together, and then that'll be the end. And they'll triumph and, and save humanity together. I guess the uh, the twist is I didn't expect uh, Morgan Freeman to come out of there. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, second cameo. Yeah, I was like, that's kind of nice because earlier in the film he mentions, hey, if that's a one-way trip, I really wish I was going. Yeah. Just so I could see the look on, on, on her face. <laughs> so, yeah, that I, I liked that. What didn't quite work for me is that last moment where... Yeah clone tom cruise shows up yeah one because it's just a little bit too convenient and and happy and nice and hollywood yeah and also because again it just revealed that there were some serious plot holes in the film like when when tom cruise first meets his double Mm -hmm. he ties him up and then just leaves yeah and the double is never referred to again until the end and i noticed that i was like he like he 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 ties up his double, goes to get medicine, and then comes back. And I was like, "Where's his clone? Where'd he go? He was he was there. <laughs> what yep. happened?" And so then for him to just show up at the end just felt like a wasted opportunity. That baby needs a daddy. I guess so. She can't grow up on her own in the big wide world's base. <laughs> right. Okay. But but then the other thing was that last scene takes place three years after they blow up the Tet. Yeah. And the the uh, the the voiceover reveals that basically the resistance fighters, the last men on earth, essentially, have been looking for this little oasis for three years. And I was just like, why did he not tell them before he went to blow up the Tet? Was this now? Was this a shared knowledge or a shared memory from before, or was this something that Rebel Tom Cruise uh, built on his own? What do you mean? The oasis was this something the, the, that he... Okay, the little oasis is just this little place. No, no, but I'm saying, did he have it before the memory wipe? Or... Oh, the no, no, no. The past five got... years, or 
was this like something new? So then clone Tom Cruise wouldn't know because clone Tom Cruise is normal. Right. I got the impression that, you know, all the clones basically are the same and they all have the same memory wiped and they're not supposed to remember anything. Yeah, yeah. But this one clone had found this little grassy oasis in his area and had been sort of developing it over the the past five years. This was like his little hideaway, his little getaway. But he didn't tell any of the resistance where it was before he went to blow up the the tet he was just like i'm just gonna send my wife there and not tell anybody where she's going like eh, i mean there's nothing else going on in the world they can just keep looking <laughs> for her <laughs> i mean they got nowhere to be <laughs> so i mean i was just like really you wouldn't tell anybody i hope she knew i hope she knew company was coming over she did it <laughs> make make stuff ready. Like she just spent three years with her kid, and then suddenly the resistance shows up, and it's like, "Hey, we've been searching for three years because your idiot husband didn't tell us where he sent you." Oh, I was just like, "Wow, that's a pretty big detail to forget to tell someone." <laughs> Write it on a paper next time. Yeah, be like, "Oh, by the way, guys, uh, I'm sending my wife over to this cool little oasis area. So if this all..." works and we blow up the tat you should go live there guys you can look it up on google maps no big deal yeah here's the coordinates just head over there what it's off road i don't understand there's no street view (laughs) uh again there's a few of those moments where you're like why Right. Like, like overall, I'm like, I like these ideas. Why are you not making the details all add up? Yeah, those two drafts might have been worthwhile. They needed to have someone sit down and go, wait, wait, wait. Why is it this way? Yeah. Like, good idea, but why is it this particular way? Let's finish that thought, all right? Right, right. So how do they, do they really search for three years? Because that's silly. Apparently they're just like, we're just going to go out and live in the desert for three years until we uh, find the Hey, at least it's not wander the desert for, what, 40 years? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, speaking of 40 (laughs) 40 years, I was wondering if you had any thoughts on the religious subtext (gasps) of this movie? Sacrificial lamb. Yes. And he was all in white, just saying. Yes. And, but, okay, but there's there's this really interesting thing going on. Where the Tet is basically God, mm-hmm. and even at the end of the film, directly says, "I am your God." Yeah. So the voice that talks to people. Yes, it's just this. But we never voice. see them. Right. Yeah. So there was this little I got in- that. this interesting religious thing going on going on, and I I haven't had time to really think about it, but I I was just wondering, like, is this is this like an anti religion? movie on hmm. some level i'm not I don't sure know. maybe maybe on some level but mm-hmm. just the motifs but then again the motifs of religion are seen in every other bit of fantasy and sci-fi and fiction because not, it is uh, a always. basis of i'm not always but i'm saying like it is a basis of like a shared cultural history or so right so it's a reference point that people can you know, used for stories and people know. Well, the reason I was wondering if, if you had any thoughts on that is because uh, Joseph Kaczynski, you know, his last film was Tron Legacy. Mm-hmm. And the Tron universe does have some religious 
allegories. Yeah, when he made the dude a Zen Buddhist. Right. Well, okay, the the original Tron movie is basically a a Christ metaphor in many ways, where Tron is, is Jesus. Yeah. And then even in Tron Legacy, there are some religious ideas where this program goes corrupt and starts to rebel and mm-hmm. infect the world, essentially. So it's clear that going by his admittedly limited filmography, Joseph Kaczynski does seem to be interested in exploring some of those religious ideas. I'm not sure if he's bringing anything new to the discussion, though. Like, it's so... He doesn't really flesh them out in an interesting way, um, either in Tron Legacy or in Oblivion, beyond, hey, look, here's some interesting religious stuff. Yeah, I don't... I mean, I don't know. I guess this is the first time where I'm really thinking about uh, religion in terms of, like, is this some sort of an um, allegory or whatnot. But right. Other than the... Hey, this guy isn't dressed in all white, and he sacrifices himself to a higher cause. Right. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> and and this person is technically his master who created him. Yes, and says, "I am your god." And then it's basically him destroying his creator, which was which was interesting. Yeah. So yeah, very very strange. So apparently, don't become religious. I don't know. <laughs> And so again, maybe maybe that is a statement, you know, kind of like what I was talking about before in regards to yeah, yeah. the military industrial complex and how that dehumanizes people. Maybe it's trying to tie that into religion as well. I don't mm. I don't know. How it's so interconnected. Yes, and how once these institutions as they expand, gradually individual human beings just sort of get sucked up into this grander mm. institution. And, and lose their individual humanity. I don't know. Or in this case, nearly the entire human race. Right. <laughs> Oopsies. <laughs> <laughs> I hate when that happens. All right. Is there anything else you would like to say about Oblivion? No, I'm pretty much forgotten about it. Okay. I will say uh, I have not seen Andrea Riseborough mm-hmm. in anything else, and I thought she was really really good in this I'd movie. agree with you there. I, ha- I don't think I've seen her in anything else, but I definitely loved and enjoyed her relationship with Tom Cruise much more. Yes. And wish she was kind of the one that stuck throughout the film. <laughs> and and just the, the overall production design of this movie was really, really strong. It has such a distinct design to it. Except when they went to the, the cloud station or whatnot, I totally started thinking... It's Cloud City. Where's Lando Calrissian? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I liked the design of, like, the ship that he pilots, and the drones had a very distinct design to them. Oh, and and the, uh, the, the little outpost station that he lives on with Victoria. Mm-hmm. Really interesting design. Like, there's that, there's the, that scene where they go swimming. Mm-hmm. And there's there's that long shot that slowly zooms out where you can see them swimming in the in the pool and everything's made of glass and uh, it yeah just really really great design work. Quick question: Why is everything in the future black and white? What do you mean? Just the drones are in black and white. Overall, it's either black, white, or gray for their outfits and living situation. 
Are we not allowed to have colored and techy like neons in the future? No. I want to see. I want to see like a Spring Breakers like neon <laughs> house. Well, Joseph Kaczynski already did that in Tron Legacy. I guess maybe going for for a little bit of a different look here. Fair, fair. He's gotta he gotta set himself apart. It's not the usual. It's usually. A lot of grays and whites and blacks. Yeah, there, there's a lot of grays and very metallic looking uh, color palette yeah. to this film, which I, which I, you know, feeds into that theme of technology and whatnot. Yeah. Now I know it's very color coded, but that's my thing. It's very color coded, and it's very rare to see something different. Yeah. Overall, I, I love the production design, and just there were certain individual shots where I was like man, that looks really cool, or I wish I could see, like, the concept art and yeah. and the storyboards. I might have for, enjoyed for that this. better. <laughs> Again, I definitely liked the movie more than you did, yeah. but it, it is rare that I come out of a movie going, man, I bet the concept art for, for some of this stuff is really cool. <laughs> so, yeah, great, great design work all around on this film. All right, anything else you want to say about Oblivion? No. Okay, let's let's move on to our final segment of the show. One of our favorite parts of every episode we do every week. Uh, it's a segment called Reboot This. And if you're new to the show, basically how it works is that Monica and I will pitch either a prequel, a sequel, or a remake to the film that we uh, just discussed. So, Monica, if you were given an unlimited amount of money and were told to direct either a prequel, sequel, or a remake of oblivion what would you choose and and what what would be involved so as a joke i would just mention spring breakers but spring breakers in space would be kind of hilarious <laughs> okay so the sequel would be harmony currents <laughs> harmony <laughs> currents oblivion 2 okay <laughs> olga Kurilenko and tom cruise are still in this little oasis area and they've got a group of teenage daughters that want to go out and party. <laughs> uh, and it made you laugh. Um, that's the actual thing that I would fix. Uh, the script would definitely get someone to look that over a couple times. And then I think I would want a more dynamic female lead to match with Tom Cruise's charisma, if you will. Okay. I feel like I would have actually given a care in <laughs> um, the second half of the movie a little bit better as I did in the first one because I bought the relationship. I was very, like, again, like when the twist and she was killed, I I felt that. And I was like, oh, no, like that, that was a tragedy. <laughs> so you would remake it with more emphasis on Victoria? Not so much Victoria, but on Olga's character. Okay. I just felt she was very in the background. Just she like she couldn't stand to Tom Cruise. Okay. In a sense, okay. yeah, and a few nip tucks to get it down to like I don't know, maybe 120, no, a hundred minutes or so. Okay. Okay. Yeah. If if I had to do a prequel, a sequel, or a remake to this film, I would make a sequel. <laughs> it would be. Electric Boogaloo. Yes, Oblivion to Electric Boogaloo. And it would not be like a sci-fi action thriller. It would almost entirely take place in one location, in this little oasis. I was going to say in the cabin, in the woods. In the cabin. <laughs> and it is it is new Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise number 52. 
mm-hmm. as he is now with Olga Kurlenko's character, mm-hmm. and it would be about their relationship as he has to go through that process of discovering, okay, this woman was my wife, I'm a clone, to what extent am I an individual? That'd be terrible if, like, he didn't have the dreams or whatever that helped the other Tom Cruise reintroduce himself to, like, the thought of the past life and his wife. So it would be be this, this drama... Where ah. he shows up and he and maybe he doesn't really know who she is. Mm-hmm. Maybe she's just like, I'm your wife, you're a clone. And he has to deal with all of that and try to figure out, well, do I want to love this woman? Can I love her? Can I love this girl that is, in a weird way, my daughter, but not really my daughter? If it gets to that, she could just keep looking for other Tom Cruise clones. Right. And it turns into the dating game. <laughs> yeah, Done. we bring some bring some of that in there, like where there's a bunch of Tom Cruises, and she gets confused as to which one she's really in love with, and then he gets angry at her because he didn't she didn't pick the right one. Yeah, or she accidentally cheats on him with another Tom Cruise and doesn't realize it, and then there's some some conflict there. I I, yep. I think that could be a really interesting. We got something here. We drama. Got here. We're talking about a relationship drama focused on philosophical issues of identity and responsibility and, and individuality and what makes a person unique and what makes a person a person. Boom. Yeah, it it it, it would not cost 120 million dollars like Oblivion. You could probably make it for just a couple million. Get the Duplass on it. Get the Duplass <laughs> brothers. Get Werner Herzog on this. <gasps> His narration. (laughs) Yes. And then they go into the woods. (laughs) When I look into the eyes of number 52, she did not see the original Jack that she knew. She saw a complete stranger. Was this man really her husband or was he someone else? (laughs) Done. All right. (laughs) I think we're done. We've done enough damage. I think that'll wrap it up for this episode of uh, Cinema Fix. We would love to get your feedback on the show. Let us know if you had to make a prequel, a sequel, or a remake to Oblivion, what would you choose? What would what would your version be? Um, don't forget to tune in next week when we'll be discussing Pain and Gain, which I believe the original title for that was uh, Drugs and Muscles, maybe? I don't know. Because pain and gain wasn't already bad enough. <laughs> what does that title even mean, pain and gain? I, I, don't, I don't know. This oh. better be like, oh, is it going to be another sports movie? This probably will be an awesome sports movie about the sport of weightlifting. Oh. <laughs> I just do not have enough testosterone in my body. It's okay, Monica. I get the impression that pain and gain has enough testosterone to make up for it. Like, there's enough testosterone in the trailer alone to get you pregnant. Oh, I'm just going to have to take a shower because it's going to be reeking of Axe body spray. (laughs) Probably. It's one of those. Man. 
All right. We'd love to get your feedback on the show. You can email us at cinemafix at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com. You can also subscribe to the show through iTunes. So if you like this episode, please write us a review. That would really help us get the word out about the program. You can also donate to us through the website. We really appreciate your help. And don't forget to check out other great shows on Film Geek Radio, including The Thin Place and Let's Get Real. Monica, where can people find you online? People can find me online on Twitter at mcastimovies. That's M-C-A-S-T-I movies. They can also find my stuff reposted on the Boston Online Film Critics Association website at bofca.com. You can find some of my writing at filmgeekradio.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at writerandrew. If you do follow me, be sure to send me a message and let me know you're a listener, and I will follow you back. That'll wrap it up for this episode. I'm Andrew Johnson. I'm Monica Castillo. And have fun this week getting high on cinema with your clothes. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio. Yeah.